Welcome back, everybody. This is another episode of the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and if you're listening to this on, honestly, you know what? Stop there. It doesn't even matter. Whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, please do us a huge favor, pause this recording, and make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss out on any of our content, any of our drops, any of our episodes as we roll through the rest of summer and into the fall of 2023. Honestly, guys, I don't know where the time goes. And there's a whole bunch of shit going on in the world, right? We're still waiting to see how this ATF pistol brace thing goes. We're waiting to see if this, you know, second push on this uh, Democrat-led bill for, you know, 1,000% excise taxes on firearms and high-capacity magazines, where that all turns out. Guys, make sure you are subscribed. A, it helps us a ton when it comes to pulling in sponsors to allow us to do more projects and build and and build more and and bring better guests to you. <clears throat> but also, it allows you guys to be up to date on when we drop all of our latest episodes, which we're pretty religious about every week. Uh, and then at least one sit rep, maybe even two sit rep episodes a month and more. Honestly, and what's the more you ask? It's our Patreon. Guys, if you want to support the Prepared Mindset podcast, even beyond just subscribing on the platform, and believe me, we appreciate the hell out of those of you guys that do, head on over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod, or you can just check out our link tree through Instagram and you know, you can get access to some of our videos, uh, depending on what tier you're at, you can get access to all the videos, blogs, we got targets, we got drills, there's a whole bunch of exclusive content on there, we got a couple exclusive interviews with the guys from 100 Concepts, uh, a bourbon series that's completely separate from most of what we talk about normally here, a lot of good stuff going on, and we appreciate the hell out of all of your guys' support. So, Those of you that have been listening for a little while, you know that this is about the time in the summer when I end up taking my, um, I'll say, sabbatical to go, you know, end up teaching uh, band camp. And the one time at band camp, jokes aside, (laughs) um, uh, this this tends to be the one episode a year where I really try to pull in my music background and talk about what I do, talk about my teaching. Um, But I try to, you know, relate it back to what we're all here for, which is training, firearms, preparedness, and uh, mindset. So I'm uh, going to be getting into the, you know, my experiences with teaching, my experiences with training, where they overlap, where they intersect, and kind of, you know, it really acknowledging a lot of the things that we do talk about in the industry, uh, the, the training industry specifically, but a lot that we don't talk about. So we're going to be getting into a bunch of that. Uh, I'm going to share some stories, some experiences, some personal thoughts, uh, lots of good stuff. Before I jump into all that, though, I do have to mention all of our wonderful sponsors and partners here that that make this podcast possible, that enable us to bring the content to all of you. So with that, a very, very big thank you to Midwest Gunworks, awesome partner of ours. You can head on over to their website, MidwestGunworks.com. They set up discount code PREPAREDMINDSET. That's all one word for 5% off your order. And guys, they have everything you're looking for. If you're building an AR, if you're upgrading an AR, you can check out all the barrels that they offer, bolt carrier groups, the different magazines, magazine capacity sizes. So whatever state you're in, they can take care of you if you guys need a sling. And let's face it, every rifle needs a good quality sling. It's the holster of your rifle. They carry Edgar Sherman design slings, lots of Magpul goodies available there. And they have optics, they have flashlights, they have everything you need to build or complete a fully capable fighting rifle. And they've been in business since 97. And they're not going to steer you guys wrong. They say it's in stock, it's in stock, and they're going to get it out the door on its way to you in no time at all. 
MidwestGunWorks.com. One more time, Prepared Mindset is your discount code for 5% off your order. Thank you as well to HRT Tactical Gear. We just brought HRT on a couple months back now, and they are a tip-top nylon company located uh, our neighbors to the south down in Ohio, and I now have officially one thing about Ohio that I love, and that's HRT Tactical Gear, guys. They set me up with one of their LBAC carriers, load-bearing adaptive carrier, and it really does adapt well. You guys, you can set this up and tailor it to size yourself, <clears throat> and the Tigris Cummerbund does a great job spreading out the weight. Now, I love slick, slick carriers too. The elastic cummerbunds were my jam for a long time, but they have limitations. There's just certain things that slick carriers are not good for, and that is where HRT Tactical comes in. Guys, they started off as a training company, turned into an nylon company, and now they are hitting it out of the park with their carriers, their dangler pouches, their belts, their uh, ammo pouches, all kinds of good stuff. Head on over to hrttacticalgear.com and check out what they got going on for you. Thank you as well to our partners over at 100 Concepts. They just took care of all of our Patreon patrons, setting them up either with one of the new Scope Cap Pros in the next uh, week or two here that everyone is very excited to see. Or if you did, if you know our patrons didn't run LPVO, they still took care of them, set them up with a hex cap and some free shipping. Take really, really good care of us. We're super, super proud of our partnership and proud to be partnered with a company. I mean, guys, their motto is do good, be dangerous, live free. They make excellent products. And if you guys have been watching their social media, you saw they have their night vision caps, their aperture caps that are coming out, and they address a myriad of different issues. Really, really smart ideas made really, really well and in simple ways that any any idiot, if I can install it, any idiot can install it. All right. And Really, their scope caps, their light caps, their pack scrim, their helmet scrim, the hex cap line that they're working on, and they're always pushing out new stuff. The 509T, I think, is on its way. The RMR, the delta points, those are all options. Head on over to 100concepts.com. Check out all the good stuff they have going on. Finally, thank you as well to the team over at LARP Labs. Guys, if you are in a state like Michigan where the weather changes all the damn time and you don't want to have to paint your rifle Every three months, because we went from whites and browns in winter to browns with some green for the spring, to lots of greens for the summer, back to browns and greens for the fall, back to white and brown for the winter, it's exhausting and you build up layers of paint on your rifle. Some dudes are really into that. Personally, I am not. That's where LARP Labs comes in with their computer cut 3M vinyls. Head over to LARPLabs.com, check out the whole library. They just updated the site, added tracking for orders and things. It's wonderful stuff. They even set up discount code PREPAREDMINDSET for 10% off your order. So when you're going to grab some of these awesome wraps for your EOTEX, your Aimpoint, your Vortex Optics, your lasers, your, your PVS-14s, whatever have you, you guys, you can save some cash there. And honestly, this stuff is rock solid. It is used on rock crawlers, actually, and <laughs> has a three-year outdoor shelf life. No peeling, uh, no sticky residue, really tip-top stuff. I think you guys are really going to dig it. Head on over to LARPLabs.com and check it all out today. So thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, you know, if you guys, just as a word of caution and recommendation, not really caution, I don't know why I said that. Just a recommendation, if you guys are somebody who you listen to a lot of podcasts and you're always the one that like slides past, uh, you know, the timeline to skip over the ad space, don't do that. Go ahead and listen to that every once in a while and check out the offers. A, I can tell you as somebody obviously that runs a podcast, sponsorships change. They come and go. The discounts, the deals, they 
they come and go. So you want to be, you know, up to date on what's going on. Uh, that's how I got introduced to a couple different companies. Um, you know, some of these salt additives and things like that. I that's listening to other podcasts. I got hooked up with a couple free packs of that just by listening because they had a free offer and it was on two or three of their episodes and I went to the website and checked it out. It was awesome. So, you know, sometimes there's some, uh, there's some real gems, some real nuggets kind of, you know, buried in there and also, you know, acknowledge those guys. They, they're the reason that we have this podcast and, and honestly, part, a big part of the reason why we've been able to stick around, uh, this long is because of the awesome partners in the industry that, uh, support everything that we do here. <clears throat> but getting into this week's episode, this week's discussion, right? Um, and it's funny cause I was like racking my brain a little bit, you know, I know I'm going to be out of town when this, when this episode drops, I know it's going to be something that is, you know, it's going to be a little bit different. I want it to be different. I want it to be a little bit abstract. And it's funny because I just had a conversation yesterday with uh, Randy about our training group and some of the things that we're working on and, and how to overcome some obstacles and stuff. And it kind of just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, duh, you know, talk about training, talk about teaching, talk about, you know, the overlaps there. Um, so, uh, like I said in the intro there, uh, in the next week here, or at the time of this podcast's release, I will be smack in the middle <laughs> of teaching um, high school band camp um, as a percussionist. So, it was something I started in high school. It was something I did during my college years competitively. Um, you age out when you're 22. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, I haven't been a performer in a little while, uh, as I'm in my 30s now, but something I was very passionate about. Um, you know, the marching, the marching arts specifically because of the rigorous, uh, attention to detail, the regimented practice schedule that comes with it was something that, at least for me, like I really needed that when I was in high school, it helped me tremendously because I knew for sure those were like immovable, uh, fixtures in my weekly schedule, right? I knew that in the winter, when we were going through winter training, right, we did uh, six to nine, I want to say it was Thursdays, like almost every year, it was either Tuesdays or Thursdays, those what those are what ended up being our actual practice days during the fall, so it, it was fine. Either Tuesdays or Thursdays, we would meet six to nine during the winter, we would learn basics and fundamentals, and even if you were, you know, a returning student, returning member, an upperclassman, whatever have you, you had to go back through the fundamentals, and I had a couple guys that taught me, um, specifically uh, a couple gentlemen, Ralph and Scott, who are to this day very good friends of mine, and I now am colleagues with them. I now teach with them. Um, but I learned a lot from those gentlemen because it really opened my eyes to how you can apply discipline and repetitive practice and you know, uh, and achieve your goals, whether it's music, whether it's shooting, whether it's basket weaving, you know, any of those things. And a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. Okay. That the, one of the lines that we drop on the kids every year and we're teaching is when we talk about, uh, the music and the parts and everything is only one of two things can be true. Either the part truly is too hard meaning, or let's relate that to shooting this, this drill, this, this practice, whatever this, uh, this, this drill process that we put, you know, six rounds here, six rounds here, speed reload, run, six rounds here, you know, whatever. Either the, it's too difficult or you have not practiced enough. And we kind of drop that on, on the kids and, you know, oh, it's like, oh, wow, you know, total knowledge bomb. But we find that a lot in the shooting community and in training is that a lot of people want to put in a little bit of effort and get a, a huge reward out of that. And that's really not the way it works, especially when you start to get beyond just pulling the trigger. 
you know, when we look at preparedness skills, uh, you know, things like land navigation, small unit tactics, or CQB, right? And and take the stigmas out of these. You know, a lot of people want to jump to, oh, beginners shouldn't be learning CQB. Like, that's not the point of the discussion. Uh, but you look at a lot of these things, and there are so many details. There are so many facets and tiny pieces to these things that you have to address and you have to get good at and master before you can kind of go on autopilot with some of these skills. And some of them you really never can. Uh, But you have to put a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of effort in. Now, again, with, with both of these things, whether we're talking about music, whether we're talking about tactical training, it takes effort. Now, just like anything, right? Some people are going to pick this stuff up, right? They're going to be, they're going to be super snappy. They're going to be super quick. It is just going to make sense to them the first time. And then from there, they can start stacking reps, reps on reps on reps, right? And they're going to start getting better every time, every iteration from there on out. And then when they get in front of another instructor, like for me, when I got out of high school and started performing at the college level, I was exposed to different teachers. Now, this is again, and I had this discussion yesterday with Randy too. It's not to say that what one person told me was wrong and that the next person at the higher level was more right. It's just different. There are a hundred ways to do a lot of these things. There's a hundred ways to shoot a gun. There's a hundred ways to you know clear a room. There's a hundred ways to tra- you know traverse uh, you know 15 miles as a unit, right? Not saying that that way is wrong. We're just saying that this is our way. And if you want to roll with us, or at that time, you, know, you want to be in this group, this is our way. And this is how we want you to do it. If you really don't want to do it that way, like, hey, more power to you, but this probably ain't the place for you because you're not going to succeed here. It's the same with a training group. And honestly, you know, we, we have so many people now <clears throat> that talk about, I want to find my training group. They post all over the dirty civilian stuff. They post all over Josh and Drew's content and go, oh man, I want to find a group like yours. I want to find a group to train with. I want to find guys like me. And it's badass, right? Because you really should be looking for that group. And when I was, you know, in as a member of a drumline, that was kind of, anyway, the camaraderie we had, the shared suffering that built bonds together and then the group's success because we succeeded or failed as a group. You know, we, the accolades, the scores, whatever, those were not achieved by any one individual. And yes, we had some people that struggled and we had people that were exceeding expectations in the group. We had a number of people actually the last two years I did it that exceeded expectations. And that's why we ended up going on to the collegiate level and competing, you know, at the highest caliber. Um, But it takes a whole team. And even that person who struggles, as long as they're doing their job, they're every bit as important as the person that's exceeding as long as everyone is doing their job. Now, when you look at it at the scope of training and you go, well, how do we get there, right? This is where the teaching part really starts to be impactful because as civilians now, we have to look at things differently. You know, you can learn one way in the military and that one way is your one way. Point blank, end of story, that's it. No exceptions, no yeah buts. Your, I don't, and you have to forgive me, right? Because I was never in the military, but your squad leader, your sergeant, whatever, whoever is running your, your training iteration or your training evolution or whatever, the way that they teach it is the way that you have to learn it. And that's it. Not everybody that's in those roles, it has a nurturing mindset, has the wherewithal to understand that people learn differently. And that's not a dig at the person teaching necessarily. And that's not a dig at the student at all. 
people learn differently. And this is why yeah, this is why you'll hear people talk on podcasts and stuff and telling their stories about when they were in the Rangers. Uh, you know, John Dufresne comes to mind as one of these guys who's a great teacher outside of the military, but found teaching in the military and found his passion and wanting to like learn from the people he was teaching as he was teaching them, right? You'll find people that say, oh, I was fortunate to have an awesome sergeant. Or, I got a badass sergeant major who took care of me and, you know, whatever. And that's how they got inspired to move up to the next levels or to really get trained up. And they ended up as a unit sniper or they ended up as a green beret or a ranger or, you know, they go to the unit or, or, or whatever. Right. But you also hear a ton of stories about guys who talk about poor leadership they talk about poor training, and that's why they get out after four years. You know, guys that do one contract in the military, whether it's the Army, it's the Marines, it's the Air Force, it's the Navy, and then they're done. You have one way and one set of options in the military. As civilians, we don't. So when we approach this from the civilian training perspective, A, this is why not everybody who comes out of the military is a good trainer. B, it's why not everybody that comes out of the military has current or even in some cases, even relevant information to train on and to share and spread. When you're teaching civilians, much like when I am teaching, I'll say young adults, I don't like calling my students children because they're really not. We ask them to have, there's a, you know, to manage and to, and to take on a set of responsibilities. So I don't look at them as children. I look at them as young adults and some of the seniors, I, I, I treat them as adults. They, they behave as in such a manner. So I, I treat them in such a manner. Um, you have to look at how they receive information and, you know, people who are new, so maybe, you know, newly promoted, newly minted sergeants and things, uh, as well as people in the musical side of things who are brand new instructors, right? Sometimes they end up being these individuals that they only learned it one way and it made sense to them and they got it and they teach whatever skill set one way. Okay. And when the pupil or trainee or whatever, you know, student, whatever word you want to use, doesn't receive that, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to them, right? They don't grasp everything that you're telling them, right? And their reaction is to, okay, well, either we're just going to beat the shit out of this dead horse, we're just keep doing it. And when it still doesn't make sense 15 times later, you're going to stop and you're going to get upset and you're going to start raising your voice and you're going to start getting flustered. Your blood pressure is going up. The students' blood pressure is going up because they just want to do what you what you want them to do, but they don't know how to make it happen. Now, in the military, again, you don't have a choice. You just got to suffer through that bitch, and you got to make it through it. There's no other option. You have to know those skills in order to you know to pass training, to get your certifications, to get your qualifications. You're basically just stuck jump over to the civilian side, when we form these training groups of peers, right? There's no rank system as a civilian. So if we're talking in context of building a civilian training group, like a lot of people want to, because you want to have that group of dudes that when shit goes sideways, we have these mostly peaceful protests or, um, you know, I, people forget, but 20 years ago, you know, I don't forget. I was my first band camp ever 20 years ago. Uh, when I was playing the saxophone in the marching band, we were up in Northern, Northern Michigan up on a co-op. So we didn't even experience a power outage, but everybody down in Southeast Michigan and some other States, we had that massive blackout of, uh, 2022 or 2023s that, you know, people just, 
they didn't have power for like four days in one of the hottest weeks of the summer. My family went two houses down the street where they had a pool and everybody, I mean, the gas stations all got bought out of all the ice they had. Um, you ran generators, uh, as much as you could to try and keep food in the fridge from spoiling and stuff. You know, I, I mean, I digress, right. But, um, <laughs> and now I lose my train of thought, but you know, when we're talking about, um, civilians to, to build, right. A training group, uh, for these emergency instances. And it's not always a response to violent action. It can be, Hey, a loss of, of essential utilities and things like that. And we get, we talk about food and stuff, but in this, in this context, you know, if we were have to work as a unit, right. To fall back to a position where we had shelter, we had a climate controlled home because of a generator and we got a couple newborns, you know, in the, uh, the connected family units, right? Or maybe somebody owns uh, a shop and we do have these peaceful protests and we're concerned over, you know, uh, preserving somebody's livelihood. So we want to be able to function as a group. We don't want to have to try and, you know, get our shit wired uh, at the last minute um, or God forbid a total, you know, total military uh, scenario where, you know, these skills may actually have to be used on a re- you know regular basis. At any rate, the people in these civilian groups are there because they want to learn. They want to train together. They want to build the group as a total up together. And through that, they want to build themselves and their capabilities up. Now, what I'm getting, what I'm building to saying here is that you have to understand if you're somebody within a group and you are teaching a subject, you are leading a discussion, you're leading a training session or a training day or training weekend, whatever have you, the information alone is not enough. It's just not. There are plenty of amazing musicians in this world. Why do you think that they don't all go out and teach and give lessons and things? Some of them, it's because they're busy touring. Some of them, it's because they're busy recording. A lot of them, it's because they can't teach. You would be absolutely fucking astounded at the number of professional musicians that cannot read music. They read tablature. So they know like the cheater method of how to, you know, learn some riffs, learn some chords, understand at a base fundamental level, but their sound as a band is what led to their success, not their, you know, their raw abilities as musicians, not as, not as classically trained musicians anyways. And there are some of them out there, sure, but for the vast majority, not, not the fucking case. So having the information is not enough. It's about the delivery of the information. And so you need to, A, be able to explain it in multiple ways. But B, you need to be able to read that body language upon delivery. You need to look at what you're doing and say, is this resonating with this individual? Because you're not talking to some, you know, 18-year-old kid in boot camp or 16-year-old musician who has to be at camp for the whole week or whatever, right? You're looking at an adult, you're talking about carrying a firearm and you're talking about trying to make them effective and accountable. So let's say, let's take CQB for instance, right? You're trying to teach somebody who's never done this before how to appropriately approach a doorway, negotiate a doorway, and then understand what their responsibilities are once they pass to that threshold. Also understanding the risks, the dangers, right? That can come with these various circumstances. There's quite a bit there. You know, and there's plenty of podcasts and certainly we've done some and we'll do more right on CQB, the dangers and things like that. But, you know, it is a lot of information. 
it is very situationally dependent. So that's why it's it's a lot of reps, it's a lot of context, and it's a lot of teaching. It has to be. And in civilian groups, you'll probably find a lot of this is just very discussion-based. It's a very open, or should be, in my opinion, a very open forum on, okay, guys, how are we clearing this room? Are we doing path of least resistance? Uh, are we doing catch it, clean it? Are we doing double pan? If you guys don't know what those are, I encourage you to go check out the video that Jared with Orion Training Group did. Um, he very clearly, and I really like how he did it, he explains those those methods of entering and taking down a room. Um, and, and shout out to those guys. As I'm looking forward to taking their class next month uh, at the HTA Range Day event. Uh, but I digress. So when you are giving this information to somebody, here's the things like as a new instructor, I've, I did some of these things teaching music, you come down on a kid half-heartedly, right? You're not trying to like rip them a new one, but you're like trying to single them out and let them know, Hey, you're the one making the mistakes right now. And you're the one that's the worst right now. And then you kind of make a half-ass joke after it to try and soften the blow. Now, sometimes that works depending on the individual and again, it's different with kids to adults. A, if they don't know you're joking, that's not an effective method of, of teaching. B, read the body language. So imitating them in a joking manner after the fact may not always be the best way to demonstrate what the hell's going on. Now, if you have to and you slightly exaggerate what they're doing and why it's bad and everything, maybe lead with that here. This is kind of what you're doing. I'm going to exaggerate a bit so you can understand and see really where I'm, I'm at with this. Um, so it put, put that out there first, right? Um, and then they know, Hey, I'm just trying to explain this to you so that you can see where you're making some mistakes and where this is, this is a problem. Okay. Um, but if you continue down that path and you constantly hammer just them, you are constantly po- you know pointing out just them. You are uh, it, you know making fun of them. You're making jokes, and they don't they don't know it. This can lead to some some sour feelings, right? And again, it's different because the military that's that you just got to deal with it. Yes, sergeant, you don't talk back. You don't have an opinion of your own, right? You just have to deal with it and eventually know that it will end because training has to end at some point and you will, in fact, get done with it at some point. Now, in the civilian space, we have a lot less time, just as much information to try and cover, right? And we have every right and every ability as a civilian to just say, okay, you know what? You're being a dick. Fuck you. I'm And just walk away. I don't think that like, I don't think that that's what uh, anybody wants, but you have to understand that, yes, we have to get through this information. Yes, we have to have these discussions. You have to look at how it's delivered. And in addition to that, right, you have to know how to deliver it, but know if it's not the delivery, it's the message. What I mean is, you know, for every one subject or sub-subject or whatever, you should have probably at least three ways of being able to explain and or teach that specific thing. Probably closer to five. And a lot of guys go, oh, man, that's a lot. You know, because you start thinking about all the little nitpicky little tiny things and stuff. And yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that it's... You know, it's easy because being a teacher is very difficult. A lot of people want to jump to like 
teachers and oh, it's difficult because you're underfunded and it's difficult because of this and it's difficult because of that. No, being a good teacher, regardless of subject, whether that's American history, uh, literature, uh, or firearms or music, right? Being a good teacher is difficult because you have to be one of the most effective communicators. That is your skill set is communication. And uh, I will tell you as somebody that works in business and uh, in finance specifically, right? There are a lot of adults out there who you would imagine would be able to knock communication just out of the park. They're horseshit communicators. They don't think about the clarity of the message. That's the tough part. Do you understand? How do I know that you understand? Are you upon me, upon receiving my message, or in this case, it would be receiving the instructional content, right? Are you getting better? Are you getting better after five reps? You know, or is it staying, you know, shitty bad and uh, that's just, that is how it is? And you're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the other part too is you have to accept fault in that process. If you are not able to provide that information in a way to them that makes sense, that is on you as a teacher. Now, I will say in that same breath, because I have dealt with this as well, obviously, is is, is the student putting in the right amount of time and putting in the right amount of effort? Now, once you've been teaching for a little while, you can start to tell somebody who has been putting in the effort, who's been putting in the time, and it's just not clicking yet. They just need more help. They need it explained a different way, but they'll get there eventually. And you can definitely tell the a-holes that just don't put the time in. They put in 10 or 15 minutes here or there. And then when it all comes together for, you know, in music, it's rehearsal, but I guess rehearsal in this case might be this civilian group training day that you put together. You can tell the people who've been dry firing. You can tell the people who've been wearing their kit, who've been going to the gym and working on cardio, who've been working on, you know, their sidestep through a doorway, getting up on the gun, how they transition, things like that. Those little things that you can practice individually on your own. So when you put them in context, you're better at them. And you can see the guy who has just not touched his shit and is trying to jump back in and pretend like he's on the level with everyone else. And it's not a superiority thing, but at the same time, like if the team can only be as strong as the weakest link, you know, and that's a, it's very cliche. It also happens to be very true. Now, if you're the worst person in your training group, I like my first couple of years in drumline, I love that I was the worst one or one of the worst guys in our snare line, because that meant I directly controlled how good we were. So however, like, however mastered and however locked up my shit was, I essentially had control over how low the floor was, which meant that the ceiling was getting higher as I was raising the floor. So I didn't mind my first couple years that I was not one of the the veterans, right? I actually really enjoyed that position. I thought, uh, personally, I thought I fry, I thrived in that role um, because I wanted to learn, you know? And that's, I think, where a lot of us should strive to be in our training group. Um, and there's people that talk about it. If you ever end up in a training group where you are the best one there and you are walking away from your training events going, this is getting me nowhere. <clears throat> and I'll say, put an asterisk on this, right? <laughs> this is getting me nowhere. Maybe it's time that you take a, a look at that and evaluate your situation and decide if you should be in that particular training group anymore. 
there's no shame in looking at a particular training group and saying, hey guys, this has been fun, but I'm out. Uh, I need to take steps to get myself to where I want to be. You have to be in a group that's a good fit for you. And it's hard, right? Uh, you know, especially when you take some time, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, one or two range days or a whole year's worth of time and communication to build things up just to realize that you're moving faster than the rest of the group. But it's growing pains. I mean, there's nothing saying you can't still, still be friends with those people, but, you know, you need to make sure that you're putting yourself in a position to be successful. Now, ideally, the goal is through sharing of individual information and experiences, right? You can, as a group, train up the group to get to a point where you're all going to start getting better, right? And then there is a benefit because your connection to that group, whether you're the most skilled and, I, I don't know, highest performer in your group or not, your benefit is that you are now connected to a group who is well-enabled and motivated to to do things well and to do things properly. And that in itself is a benefit and a growth uh, outlet for you. So it's stuff you have to think about. It's kind of the context you need to put a lot of this into because uh, very easily you start losing guys when you start getting a superiority complex. Uh, and additionally, I encourage everybody, everybody listening to this, to be introspective and look at yourself as a student when you're out training. Um, when I'm out training, like I look to some of the guys in the group who have done more than me in, in the military context. Now on the flat range, you're doing shooting stuff. It's a little more of a level playing field because you can just see the performance there. But when we're getting into small unit tactics, we're talking about group movement formations and things like that. We're getting into some of the CQB things. I look to them to say, what am I doing wrong? Would, you know, did I, uh, you know, telegraph, did my muzzle, you know, expose, uh, am I not moving quickly? Am I moving too quickly? Uh, things like that, right? I, I look for this stuff because I want that input and I want to get better. That is the mindset that any student should have. We're not right. We're not at rehearsal. We're not at practice. We're not at the range, whatever, to have somebody sit there and stroke off our ego, right. And tell us how great we are and how talented we are. That doesn't get you anywhere. And I run into this with students. You know, you tell them what they're doing wrong. You come down on them. You try to find ways to motivate them and stuff. And they want to get all pouty or they want to cry or they want to talk about quitting because you're too mean or, oh, you're making it personal. It's, you know, and I, I've had all of those things happen to me. Uh, and, and most of the time, you have to just sit, sit the kids down and go, listen, uh, let me tell you right now, none of this is personal. We walk off this field. None of this is personal, but my job is to come in here and make you better. I, it is literally my job to tell you what you're doing wrong. When we get to performances and game time and all that stuff, like whatever, that's the time we like to pump the kids up and let them know, Hey man, you guys are doing great. Good warm up. You know, you guys are, you know, your hands are good. You know, you guys play really well, all this stuff. We like to pump up their egos and things like that when we get to that part of the season. But like now, uh, when we're you know getting ready to go to camp, we're learning the show, and we're still learning, we're still growing and developing as a group. Like, yeah, there's there is a far greater number of things that are being done incorrectly or can be improved upon than there are that are be done being done at a well that can't at a level that can't be improved upon. I would say at this point, almost nothing is being done at a point that it can't be improved upon. Um, and for a lot of us with training, it's the same thing. Like. Yes, there's maybe a handful of things that we're really not that you know concerned with or overwhelmingly tied up in, uh, because we already covered that. You know, like 
for instance, basic range safety is, I want to say something we're not concerned with, but we've already addressed it as a group. So as long as everybody adheres to those things and, you know, practices those on their own and we come together, we don't have any issues. We're really not going to spend any time going over how you should or shouldn't behave on a firing line. Hey, don't flag your buddy. Don't point a loaded gun at them. Okay. You will in CQB in the stack Make sure that, you know, while these guns are cleared safe and we've all gone through it and everything, practice those proper behaviors um, and and try your best to adhere to those. The, so, and, and one of the problems we start to run into with some of these is when people don't work on them and they don't acknowledge that they haven't worked on them when we start to see the erosion of progress. And the biggest problem with that really, I'll be honest, is personal ego. And I run into this with adults. I've run into this with high school students, you know, teaching music. Some people really, really, really don't respond well to being told that they're fucking wrong. (laughs) Uh, It's it just it's a personality thing. Um, And I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I've mentioned it to people in conversation because I love this line. It was Kevin Owens. I was talking and he you know, you can carry a gun or you can carry an ego you can't carry both. And I fucking loved how profound that was. Um, and I, you know, and we, we take that into training. We should take that into training. You should not, you know, carry a fucking ego here. The group is trying to get better. If you don't like that, you're getting negative feedback from whoever's making the call outs or who is the observer on the CQB drill. You don't like that. You're missing on the target, like the, whatever, the only person who you can get pissed off at Truly, the only person you can get pissed off at is the one staring back at you in the mirror. Good old number one. Because all of those things are indicative of how much practice, how much time, how much effort you've put in to achieving XYZ set of goals. Go back right to the things we said when we started this conversation, right? Only two things can be true. Either it's too hard or you haven't put enough time in working on it. Now, it's a, it, and it's a slow burn, right? You know, no one expects you to just get one piece of information on your trigger pull and then you're hitting bullseyes all the time. Or one piece of information on your grip, your support hand, whatever, and you're hitting bullseyes at 25, you know, 25 yards, 50 yards, 100 yards, whatever, right? There's a lot that goes to it and there's a reason why we talk about practice. There's a reason why we talk about dry fire practice. With music, there's a reason why we talk with the kids about technique, and timing and the things you can do to to keep yourself within that rigid structure you need to find success. For music, it's a metronome, right? Hey, as percussionists, the drumline or we call it the battery, the mar- the marching component of the drumline in the field, they control time during the show. A lot of people think it's the, you know, the fools up on the on the podium conducting the band, the drum majors. Oh, they control everything. Oh, they're so great. Oh, they're so smart. No. No, all they are is a conduit. They take the time from the music being played by the battery percussion that establishes the tempo on the field, and they disperse it out amongst the rest of the group. Now, if you're not practicing with a metronome, that becomes very fucking difficult because time is organic in terms of tempo, right? It pushes, it pulls, things speed up and slow down, but we have to try and hold ourselves as rigidly as possible as we can to those established tempos. That's why, you know, particular songs, pieces of music are written to a tempo and not just to, you know, a, a range or something like that. For us in the shooting world, it is a shot timer. 
It's why we practice these skills to a repeatable standard and we try to hold ourselves to them. Now, once we master that, yes, you can go ahead and you can shrink that time and work to get faster. Uh, Speed is not always the, the only standard we're talking about. A lot of times it's the target is our metronome, our accountability. Are they all A zones? Oh, we got some Charlies, we got some Deltas in there. You know, those are the tools that we have to use to hold ourselves accountable and use as a metric to gauge our performance standards, right? Again, this is why we talk about why you don't want to be in a training group where guys just go fucking uh, dump auto, you know, uh, dumping ammunition. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Dumping ammunition into piles of trash. You know, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, hey, let's check it out. I'm going to go as fast as I can. I mean, cool, trigger cadence is a thing, and you want to be able to stack rounds on a target uh, fairly quickly while while maintaining a uh, a certain level of, of accuracy. And that's the same thing for music, right? Being able to play fast is only cool if you can do it rhythmically accurately. Otherwise, you're just a fucking goober. Um, and I've dealt with those kids, too, or even those adults that, oh, hey, I can play really, really fast. I can do stick tricks, whatever. And it's like, good for you. Uh, it doesn't mean a fucking thing if you can't control it and you can't, you know, operate within a, a defined set of standards. And that's the difficult part. Um, again, is because when you look at people and their perception of what is right or what is good is different than yours, it can cause issues, which again, ties back to the emotional responses and the ego component, right? Again, you can't carry a gun and an ego. You got to pick one. If you're in a training group, get get rid of the fucking ego. You know, don't be pissed when you get feedback from people. You know, I had this conversation with somebody too. Uh, oh, I'm you know I'm, you know so and so gives me feedback on every rep, but when they do it, everything's just perfect. And it's like, well, no, but when they're doing the rep, they can't call themselves on it because they're not watching themselves. You're watching them. So if you don't like being the only one, or you feel like you're the only one getting negative feedback, then go find. If they're doing something wrong, you can provide negative feedback. Hey, you need to work on this. But also understand that the goal here needs to be, above all else, that we're getting better, not just a tit for tat. <clears throat> um, not just a, a you know a tit for tat thing where it's I got to make sure I'm I'm uh, I'm calling this guy out as much as he's calling me out. Um, no, that's not how it should work. the The general perceived understanding, anyways, is that some people bring certain skills to the group. Some people bring other skills, right? Some people are very good at long-range shooting. Some people are very good at operating in the woods and small unit tactics. Some people might have a lot of CQB experience. Some people might have none of that, but they are really, really good at performance-based shooting. And you need to learn from each other. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like If you find yourself in a group where you're being stagnant and not expanding and growing and moving forward, whether it's individually or as a group, that's that's the problem. It's why we we talk about bringing a diverse group of individuals together, right? Somebody from a medical background, somebody from a shooting law enforcement. I mean, it could be all kinds of different things, Uh, food and sustainment, communications and radio, right? Those are all things we look for, and that's what they specialize in. That's what their personal passion lies in, right? You cannot then get upset because that's where they've developed their time and information. And, hey, I know a lot about this, and I know you're not doing this right I would, if, if they're in your group, you should, you know, have vetted them and trust that the input they're giving you is true and accurate and make those adjustments accordingly. 
you know, if I'm an expert in long range shooting, which I'm not, and somebody else is an expert in CQB, we're running CQB drills and they're calling me on CQB stuff. I would listen to the feedback they give me just as I would expect them as somebody who's an expert in that and not in long range shooting to listen to me, right? That's why you have people there is to learn and grow from each other. Don't ignore it just because you can't see past the fact that you're being told that you're wrong or you're being told that you have to put time in or effort or energy into practicing and developing these skills and getting better. And it's very, very annoying when you get that person in a group. Uh, you know, as a as a teacher, it's difficult because there's things you can and cannot say. Uh, you know, both in the in the military, I'm sure there's there's things you 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 can and cannot do. As a a teacher of high school students, there's things you can say and can't say. Um, there are certain pressure points I'll say you can try and lean on a little bit to try and motivate somebody or show them the error of their ways. But a lot of the times you just have to sit them down and maybe it's multiple times you have to sit them down and go, Hey, um, you know, you're in this role, uh, whether your leadership position or whatever, Hey, you're holding the group back right now. Do you realize like how, how far back you're falling because you're not doing these things and you do your best to try and, you know, uh, show them, illuminate, right? The issue. And, and the hope there is not that you're not, you don't want to tear these people down or, you know, these young adults down or whatever, but you were just trying to get them to acknowledge that their behavior as is, is not effective to get them to the goals and the goals of the team, right? Bigger picture. Um, and that will hopefully, you know, that's, that's going to spur a change of behavior that will kind of course correct, um, does it always happen that way? No, it, it really doesn't. Unfortunately, it really doesn't. That's the tough part with the civilian side of things is you can't make anybody do these things. It's not like a uh, full metal jacket where you're going to, you know, everybody, <laughs> you're going you're to throw a bar of soap and a sock and beat the shit out of them every night. They don't pass the obstacle course or something. Um, you just kind of have to deal with it. So you're, your options are, are different then you may have to remove someone from the group. Say, listen, this just isn't working out you know, or maybe you kind of take the passive aggressive approach and you kind of cut them out of a group chat or you stop inviting them to certain things. Uh, and until they start asking questions like, Hey, um, are we still getting together? You know, how come I haven't heard anything about this? And then you go, well, you know, we were meaning to talk to you about that. You know, you're really not, you're really not pulling your weight. You're really not carrying your responsibility very well. Personally, I think that's a really shitty way of addressing the issue, but sometimes that's how it gets handled. And, uh, there's fallout from, from those kinds of decisions. It's unfortunate. Uh, I would say it's actually kind of stupid because, um, you know, as mature adults, you all accepted that you came into this group with X set of goals. Now, again, your areas of interest, your areas of focus, those may be different for everybody. You know, like, oh, I really want to spend time on small unit tactics, or I really want to spend time on CQB or whatever. And you just acknowledge that, like, everyone has their own different interests. And to be a, a, a good, well-rounded group, you're going to have to spend time doing everything. And that's cool. You know, like, hey, small unit tactics, hanging out in the woods, like, that may not be my most favorite thing, but I acknowledge the importance. And I know that if we put it in the context of being an effective group, you should be able to move as a group through the woods to, I don't know, an objective, approach that objective building, and then use the CQB stuff that you really do care about to clear that building safely and effectively. All the while, working communications and maybe that's your passion is radio so then radio touches everything that we might do 
you know, or shooting, which also touches everything you potentially could do. So you kind of have to look at it big picture to understand the goals that you're trying to reach. And that can be difficult. It can be difficult for students to understand, and it can be difficult for, you know, people in a training setting to understand why this is important. And again, that's a responsibility of the teacher. You know, hey, not the what. Don't only focus on the what, what you're doing wrong, what's bad right now, what's good right now. You have to be able to provide the why. And maybe not every time, you know what I mean? Because then you get long-winded and it ends up eating up time that you could be using for reps and stuff. But you have to, it's not really justifying yourself. It is providing a level of understanding to the person you're communicating with. It is part of the communication process. It's part of completing that message, right? And when we talk about communication gaps, and I do this at work all the time, is the understanding there. Do you fully understand what I'm trying to tell you? Do you understand why it's important? Do you understand the timeline that's attached to this? Do you understand the implications of this? So where do we start? Well, A, you have to send a full and complete message. B, you have to send it worded in a way that is understandable, and you have to send it by a means that is well-received. So like for me at work, there are some people I, I used to have to always get on the phone with. They just, they don't check their email very often. Like they go through to eight o'clock at night and by then what you need, you could no longer need. There are some people that don't do well on the phone or on email, but they're always on messenger, you know, on, on teams, Microsoft teams or, or chatter or jabber or whatever. Um, you know, there are some people that you don't do either of those well because they mute them because they're in meetings all the time, but they're constantly going through email. Okay. And that goes back to some of the things I was talking about earlier. You have to be, you have to be an effective communicator and make sure that your message is being received so that you are constantly moving forward towards your end goal. That, that is the responsibility of the trainer. So, you know, uh, and I urge people that are in a training position, whether it's, you know, you're somebody, maybe you're somebody listening to this, who's been a guest on this podcast, you know, or somebody who's an aspiring teacher or wants to start a training company, or maybe you're just somebody who's very experienced, uh, in a couple different things. And in your training group, you are in a position, it, it seems that you know, you're doing teaching or instructing um, or sharing some information. I urge you to look and consider uh, you know, what you're doing. Is your teaching being well-received? Is your message being clearly received? Or are there negative impacts? Are you seeing you know, more detrimental behavior out of the group because of how the, me- the message is being delivered? Sometimes less is more. Honestly, one of the most effective things that I ever learned as a teacher, instead of like, hey, do it once or twice, give them feedback, do it again, more feedback, do it again, more feedback, and you just keep telling them it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. One of the most important things I ever learned, and it's not for every instance, but is to just get reps in. Sometimes you have to allow the group to build some bad habits. And I go, well, that doesn't make any sense. He goes, well, listen, the guy that I was learning this from, right, uh, sometimes you need to build bad habits so you have something to work with. Otherwise, there's so many variables and there's so many problems. All you're doing is coming down on the kids and telling them how bad they are. And the whole thing, it just never gets any better. So sometimes it's just reps. You need to get people to be comfortable with it. Specifically stuff like room clearing, where there's a lot of you know foreign factors and there's a lot of variables up in the air and a lot of, yeah, what this, what about this, what about that, how exactly should I... And I've said this before in training, I go, just do what you do what you think we want you to do. Try that and we'll let you know. 
because a lot of the times it really, some of those like little, I don't want to say meaningless details, but some of those just, you know, small details, some of those little things, they don't really matter quite as much as some people imagine that they do. And for that reason, you don't want to throw a whole bunch more information on that little meaningless thing into their head. You want them to think big picture and focus on the stuff that matters, you know, which is how you're making entrance through the doorway. What point of domination are you going to? What's your muzzle doing? And are you getting in there quickly? You know, like there's a bunch of stuff, but like you approach it in a, in a, anybody who's taught any topic before, you know, there's some certain high level points you start with. And once you address those, you start working yourself down through the minutia. But you have to look at how the student's uh, performing, you know, how they're responding to information and how it's developing. Is there any difference between the last session and this session, you know, last rehearsal and this rehearsal? And like we were talking about earlier, is it because of the quality of information you're delivering? When I personally teach and when I look at how the kids are, are doing, uh, you know, I, I try not to make, I, I strive not to make my first reaction an evaluation of what they're not doing at home. I look at what have we been doing and relate that to where they're at. And then have we spent enough time on this in rehearsal? Have they had private lessons where they've, they should have learned this base skill that's failing them right now. And from there you can kind of start to diagnose like they haven't put the time in or uh, they've been working really hard on ABC, but D and E are falling by the wayside because of that. And that happens, you know, there's only, there's only so much time in the week, right? There's only so much uh, effort and energy and uh, dedicated practice that you can fit into a week. I, I certainly understand that. Again, it's a little bit different in the military because that is your whole life. Um, you know, for me as a musician, when I'm teaching, uh, I know these kids have school, they have jobs, they maybe have significant others or whatever. Um, and obviously in the civilian space, we all have day jobs. We all have families and family trips and, and other commitments and obligations and other friend circles that we, we have to dedicate time to, but that's the responsibility of the student, you know, um, is making sure that they juggle all of those things. It's a, it's, it is a constant point of struggle. I will say that as an instructor is getting kids to understand in today's day and age that you're responsible for every decision you make. And no, you cannot do four different extracurricular activities after school. And, you know, uh, people get all butt hurt and they want to sit there and say, you can't tell these kids, no, they should have every opportunity to try everything. And yeah, I mean, I would love to give all those opportunities, but if you want to be competitive, if you want to be successful at a level that is going to be commensurate with a competitive individual and a competitive group, yeah, you can't. I struggled at one program here that I, that I worked with. We struggled with that a lot. We had kids that were supposed to miss the first half of their soccer game. And the consolation was, all right, you can miss the first hour of our rehearsal and be here for the second two on game days. And we had some coaches in the school system that would fight on that and go, no, they need to be on the bench supporting their teammates. And it's like, what? Why? They're on JV. Why do they have to stay until eight o'clock watching the varsity play so that they don't get to rehearsal until 830 and we get them for about 30 minutes? Now, some of that's out of the kids' control and that, and yada, yada, whatever. I, but if you look at that that uh, equal piece of that on the civilian side of training, it's, 
yeah, I want to go do this. I want to go out and get drunk at the bar. I want to go out and spend the afternoon on my friend's boat. I want to go to the movies. I want to binge watch TV. I want to bake cookies. Oh, and I'll dry fire for 15 minutes. Like, okay, you may need to make some sacrifices and you may need to better manage your time to ensure that the next time you get to training with the fellas uh, or the group, you know, there. I hope there's groups out there uh, with women in them training that you're not holding the group back and that you're not missing out on those times or that you're actually making it to training in general uh, because it's not being covered up by a different obligation. Oh, I have a uh, best friend of a best friend of a friend of a cousin of somebody's uncle's friend who's getting married and I have to be there. And I mean, come on, like you, you can't do everything and you can't make everybody happy. Like that's just a, uh, that that's just a, a sad fact of life. Eh, it's not really, it's not really sad. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that it is just a fact of life. You can't make everybody happy and you need to prioritize these things yourself. That's your responsibility as both a student and a teacher is you have to be there. Um, primarily as a student though, because if, the teacher is there teaching, and this is anybody who's gone through college, you understand, uh, it is your responsibility to be there for the lecture. It is not the professor's responsibility to chase you down and police your attendance. That That's the kind of stuff that you got when you were in middle school and elementary school. As adults in the real world, we don't get that anymore. No one's going to chase you down. <laughs> you might get somebody that calls you, you don't show up to work and say, hey, where the fuck are you? You're supposed to be covering the shift today or you're supposed to be working or, hey, we have this project coming due today uh, for deployment. Or, you know, where the hell are you? And then you get fired, but they're not going to chase you for anything. It's called being a responsible adult. And then we start to get into these discussions beyond talking about training, talking about music, talking about, you know, high school kids and stuff. And like, and just realizing that as a culture, as a society, personal accountability is a skill set that we are losing. We're losing focus on it. We're losing sight of it. And we are, I would say, perpetually validating ourselves on why we can't get things done. There's all, it's not an excuse. It's a reason. There's always a reason why I'm not better. Oh, there's always a reason why I couldn't dry fire. There's always a reason why I couldn't work on my reloads. There's always a reason why I couldn't do better at training. There's always a reason why I can't buy the gear that everybody else in my group has so I can be a fully contributing member of the group. That cannot be the attitude that you approach this with. And there are people out there that will do that. I know for a fact there's people that run uh, their own training groups and they just stop inviting people to certain training events because a they either they won't invest in the equipment they need. Uh, let's say night vision, right? Hey, um, this weekend or whatever we're gonna get together and it's all gonna be night vision training. So we're not gonna invite Mike because he doesn't have nods. Now you can certainly invite people without nods to night training um, if you're willing to share gear, if they're working on saving the money for it, whatever. But if you have some people who just really refuse to make the sacrifices towards the the goals of the group, then yeah, I mean, stop inviting them. They're going to be a hindrance. They're going to be a distraction, and that's uh, it, it. It is what it is. You have to have a realistic conversation with yourself again as a student and as an instructor, um, you know, about the goals how you're getting there, and is everybody actually helping you get there? It does nothing for the overall progress, the overall position, uh, the overall capability, right, of your group if you're dragging dead weight all along the way. If anything, they become a liability. Uh, in our training perspectives, uh, you know, that liability could get people killed. 
uh, in music, you know, at least in my perspective, uh, the biggest liability you have, somebody could get hurt. Kids that don't pay attention, they're not invested in what's going on. They don't understand what's going on in rehearsal. I've seen kids just absolutely plow into each other on the marching band field. And as a result, we get we get kids that end up in neck braces. We've had, you know, uh, stitches, bandages, um, teeth knocked out and stuff like that. And it's all avoidable. You know, it just depends on your mental engagement. And again, that's that's on you as a, to some degree anyways. That's on you as an instructor or an educator, you know, to keep those individuals engaged. You got to read the body language. Hey, are they rolling their eyes? Do their eyes look glossed over? Uh, you know, are we, how long have we been working on this one thing? Sometimes the tricky part is just saying, Hey, this still fucking sucks, but we got to move on. We have to get to, you know, ABC and D tonight. B still sucks, but we have an hour left and we haven't even touched C, D or E. So we have to move on. And just like that with training, I mean, you could sit there and you could work on ready up drills all day long and it's just not getting better for any number of reasons. Maybe you're going too quickly for people and their skill set, or more commonly people have not been dry firing to develop their draw stroke, to develop their sight picture and to develop the speed that you're looking for. And you can waste a lot of time working on that. You can waste a lot of time by people not zeroing their optics before they get to the range, you know? Hey, uh, instead of starting the range day at seven o'clock when everybody got here and we got to waste the first hour on zeroing, maybe go, Hey, um, we're gonna start at seven. So I'm going to try and get here at six or six 30 so that I can go zero and I'm minimizing my impact or any impact at all, potentially on the training session that we're having. Those are, those are considerations realistically that you as an individual and a contributing member of a group need to be, need to be looking at and need to be thinking about. You know, um, when I teach, when we teach kids, it's, Hey, um, if you need to work on this stuff and you can't take the drums home because they're too loud or this, that, what other, you know, you can't fit it in whatever car your mom drives. Maybe you play the quads or you play a really big bass drum. I don't know. You could come up to the school early. If rehearsal starts at six, you could get there at five and spend an hour individually practicing in a practice room. I mean, they have them for a reason. <laughs> Go use a practice room. Spend some time working on and developing your skills to make sure that you're getting the most out of the time that you're you're putting forward and to make sure that you're holding up your end of the agreement. Again, nobody wants to be dragging dead weight through any of this stuff and be carrying a total and complete liability with you. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of people and I'm sure some of you guys listening have had people too, you know, oh, when shit hits the fan, uh, you know, back in 2020, oh, I'm coming to you. I know I'm coming to your house when, when things get spicy and it could be people that you train with or not. And it's like, well, no, fuck you. Uh, you didn't do the things you needed to do <laughs> leading up to all of this to be in a position to protect your family, to be in a position to protect your home, to have food, to have water, to have any, whatever, you know, fill in the blank, right? Why should I now accept that responsibility, which you have dropped and carry even more weight, you know, bear even more responsibility because you wouldn't. So as somebody in a group, as an instructor, I mean, those are all things you have to look at and consider, but I would say, honestly, probably the biggest part of, of this, and you know, I'd said it already, but I, I really want to reiterate it is that you have to, you have to make sure that the message being delivered is an effective one. And if that means you have to talk less, if that means instead of telling somebody what they're doing wrong, maybe you take a different approach and you ask questions, Hey, what do you think you're doing here? Or, Hey, why are you doing that? Or, Hey, 
how should we do this? You could even use some teaching tools like, hey, why don't you teach me? Like, I don't know how to do this. Teach me how to go through the doorway and walk it through it in your own words. And in some cases, it can actually help pop on a couple light bulbs. Uh, Teaching can actually be one of the most uh, effective learning tools because it forces you to be able to verbalize and and really have a uh, step-by-step effective thought process put in place as you're putting out this information. I urge anybody, if you are trying to be a teacher, if you are trying to, to be someone within your group or a leader within your group, don't just regurgitate what you've heard on the internet. Don't just take your favorite fucking grand thumb video or your favorite mil spec mojo video and just spit out the same shit you've heard them say a thousand times because there's a a decent chance that the individual you're working with has probably heard that stuff as well and if it didn't fix the issue then why the fuck would it fix the issue now right find your own way your own style of delivery for passing on that message because that's clearly what's needed and hey Maybe you can borrow some of those lines. I certainly still use some lines uh, that, that instructors that I worked uh, under um, or that, that taught me, right? I still, I borrow some of those lines, but they're not the only things I use. They're not the only things I do. I have my own style. I have my own approach. I have my own opinions on how to run a practice, how to run you know, even a training session, right? I, I'm a big fan of being regimented in a training process the way I do with rehearsal. Hey, um get together at the beginning or before the beginning. If we have like a set start time, what do you want to work on today? What do we need to get done? Is it one thing? Is it five things? Okay. So then I immediately start thinking of what do we start with? Like, do we need to do a warm up? Whether that's if we're on the range, is it just a ready up drill? Like from holster one round, two rounds, whatever. Uh, if we're not shooting at all, maybe we're just doing CQB. Is there any warm up? What do we get into first? Do we just review what we did last time? A review is a great way to refresh and warm up and get everybody ramped up into the tempo of what you're working on. You know, one of the things you have to do with that though, is it has to be something everybody buys into. If it doesn't work for the group, uh, you either, either you need to pull those people into line or maybe look at something different. Uh, I will say I've had situations where in training where I, where I struggle to get people on the same page. Hey, put your fucking phone away. Hey, does this make sense to you? Or, you know, one of the most effective things you can do if they're not engaged is, is throw them in. Hey, you're doing this rep. Hey, you're doing it again. Hey, you're doing it again. Hey, we're going to change up the team. Hey, you're staying here. We're changing up the two guys running it with you and keep them engaged. Uh, you know, people need to build up that mental strength. And I would say it's almost to, to a degree, it's like willpower. That's one of the things that I, you know, with musicians, I, we struggle with is because after like five reps of something, and it could be very short, it could be two seconds of music we're working on or three seconds of music. And we're just repping it over and over and over. Cause it just needs, it needs the repetition. They need the practice on it. Right. And they start going out to lunch. They go on autopilot. Their minds start to wander. It can be the same thing with training and it has to be avoided, you know, and maybe, and that's why you cannot at the same hand, why you cannot, you know, do one rep, give feedback, one rep feedback. Um, It's why you can't do 200 reps and walk away and eat a sandwich and then come back to the kids or come back to whoever's working on it because there needs to be input. Otherwise you're just wasting time. You're enforcing bad habits. Um, You know, it's, it's a fine line. There's some give and take there. Uh, but, and you have to make sure that while you're doing it, you point out, Hey, this is good. Let's not let it get worse. 
okay? Maintain the good while also picking up the slack and improving the bad, um, you know, but examine the message. Hey, guys, good work. You're doing this. You're getting, you know, getting to your points domination. Good. It's really, really good stuff. Um, on the approach to the door, you flag this guy in the back of the head. So get your gun up to high port or low ready, whatever your your SOP uh, is. Get there sooner or get there in a different way. Instead of taking your gun straight up or straight down, maybe take a rounded path if you're condensing that quickly. You know, explain, A, that there's, like I said, there's many ways to do something. You're in that small scope, that very, very small amount of space and time, right? Your objective is to get the gun, you know, where it's not pointing at the guy in front of you in the stack. Okay, so it can come up or it can come down. Now, does it come straight up or straight down? It can take a rounded path. Does it go rounded to the left? Does it go rounded to the right? Are you left-handed? Are you right-handed? You know, are you switching? Are you using your non-dominant shoulder because of where you're standing? All those things can come into play, and all those things certainly can be considerations and part of the discussion. Uh, But if you're the one running it, you have to kind of be leading that, taking point on that. And when you let people know, hey, you're dropping the ball here, you have to understand that sometimes some people just don't respond well to rapid, just getting hit, beat over the head with the fucking hammer. You know, sometimes a softer touch is needed. Um, you know, if you're trying to be effective again, that's, that's, that is the pitfall of the civilian side is that they always have the out of fuck you. I'm walking away. Right. You have to, and, and they're not 18 year olds. In a lot of cases, they're twice that of an eight, they're 36 years old and you can't talk to them like a retarded child or something. You have to treat them with respect and you have to teach them in an effective way. If you want them to stay engaged, which is how they're going to want to buy in, they're going to want to keep doing more. They're going to want to do more to be better for the group. Otherwise they lose motivation and we, and lose sight of the end goal. And then you're fighting from a position of weakness to try and attain those goals. You got to keep everybody on track. You got to keep everybody headed in the same direction with the same things in mind. Um, and it's difficult, you know, it's not, you know, not every session, not every rehearsal, whatever is always going to be good. You're going to have the bad days. You're going to have some drama flare ups. People are only human and everyone's got different personalities and different ways they like to be talked to. And yeah, some people have, uh, unfortunately, right. They have large egos that they carry with them, that they have a hard time checking them at the door. And as a result of some of those things kind of being mixed together, some people just get, you know, they get pissed off uh, whenever one certain person in the group calls them out for stuff because they just don't like it. And you have to find a way to creatively and effectively deal with that. You know, some it should never be the fuck you. This is the way we're doing things. Get the fuck over it. In my opinion, on the civilian side, if you're building a training group, that should never be it. Now, if you're taking a class from somebody and you're bringing somebody in for their expertise and their knowledge, that's different. Like, hey, we brought them here to teach the group. No one cares what you did before. We're here to hear what they have to say. Shut the fuck up and hear what they have to say. And then, you know, afterwards, you can pick the things from that that you liked and add that into your normal training rotation or practice rotation and move forward. That's why we talk about, you know, hey, you should learn from a variety of instructors who do things a variety of different ways. You shouldn't always just, you know, stick with the same guy over and over and over again. Uh, Variety is the spice of life and all that good shit. So that needs to be a consideration as well when you're thinking about this. I mean, it's it, there's equal 
to me, there are equal pieces of responsibility on both sides of the relationship, both on the teacher or instructor and the student, right? Is the, is the, the information, is the communication being sent appropriately and effectively? And then is it being received? And if not, where is the breakdown on the sender or on the receiver? And, you know, Hey, make sure you're asking questions. That's why I usually, when I teach, I, I follow up every piece of information, every like engagement, every explanation with a, does that make sense? And if, again, you can gauge their body language, you can gauge responses if they don't say anything and you do it two or three more times. And if it's still an issue, you go, Hey, you know, we just talked about this is what I'm saying, making sense. And then whether they say yes or no, I will follow up with an explanation again, but a different one, because clearly the last one didn't, didn't sink in. So maybe I'll throw it at them a little bit differently, you know? And there's only so many different ways to, you know, that one person will have to explain stuff. And at some point, that's how you know that the responsibility is failing, not on the, the sending side of the communication, but on the receiving side. And whether it's a failure of reception or, you know, like we already talked about, whether they're putting enough time in outside of uh, the established uh, practice or training or whatever, that they're able to pick that information up and run with it. So, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, it's a kind of a unique subject. Uh, I, I like teaching, um, when we get on the range and stuff, I actually love the flat range stuff. I love being able to mentor people on, on, on shooting new shooters and, and stuff like that. Um, once we get out of that, we get into things like CQB and small unit tactics and, and, and land navigation. Obviously I'm like a monkey trying to fuck a football. It's, it's just not where I've had a lot of time. Um, but I have on the flat range and I've had a lot of time and experience teaching. Um, and I think that I've developed, you know, uh, a temperament of working with people. And, uh, I really, really enjoy that as long as there's people there that want to learn, you know, um, I've also developed a pretty good meter for bullshit. So when people start getting shitty and breaking eye contact and being dismissive, I just walk away. Like, if you don't want to hear what I have to say, fine, you can get better on your own uh, through some way, because what you've been doing hasn't been working, obviously, and I wish you the best, whatever. Um, But yeah, this is something that's a little bit different. Um, You know, while I'm at camp, uh, in the thick of it, right, teaching, uh, living the struggle for a week. And it's a struggle for a lot of reasons, you know, uh, anybody who was in marching band in high school, or if you're somebody listening that, that did this in college, if you did DCI, if you did WGI, like I'd actually love to hear from you guys. So I urge you please to shoot me an email, uh, or shoot us a DM over Instagram. would love to hear that. Um, but if you're somebody who's done that, you probably see a lot of these similarities and probably understand better than most what we're trying to say here. Um, but, and that's not a dig at the students, you know, while I'm out teaching, it's just, it's a, it's a struggle. We have a week and we throw a ton of information out at those kids. And in most instances, they tackle it like champs. They get a lot done. Um, there's always, and there's changes, you know, we'll learn drill. And then that afternoon, we'll have to get them back out on the field at the hottest part of the day. And obviously it's a field, so there's no shade because we'll have to relearn drill that got changed because it doesn't, you know, make sense. And that whole duplication of effort thing is a real bitch, uh, regardless if you're the one teaching it or the one learning it, um, because we're all out there, you know, sweating and suffering together. But it's uh, a, it was an experience that, that really helped shape me as a kid. Um, when I was in high school, I really leaned heavily. I had a, I had a pretty, I had a less than awesome relationship with my parents in high school. And I know, I think everybody does, you know, in your teen years, you really struggle with your parents. Um, I would say that I feel like I struggled more than most. And, 
uh, this was an outlet for me that I was able to lean on the instructors that, uh, I still, that I work with now. Right. And really find myself. Um, and especially for, so from that, like 15 years old to that, like 22 years old range, those seven years there when I was, uh, a performer and, uh, you know, marching music and stuff like that. Uh, I really developed as the, 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 the person that I am today. I learned a lot through those experiences and it's a lot of the things that made me successful in my professional endeavors, and it's made me successful in the shooting endeavors, uh, the training, the preparedness piece, right? Not just in you know uh, establishing this podcast and and keeping it going for over three years, right? That's just a, a repetitive set of behaviors, but uh, finding the success there, finding you know how to how to tune some things, how to learn, what kinds of questions to ask. Uh, searching for clarity and and things like that that some people may may have missed you know so i i attribute a lot of my success in life to my experiences from my instructors in music um you know people ralph who is a good friend of mine still who was my uh instructor in high school scott who married one of my very good friends uh that i went to school with and is a colleague now um all kinds of people that uh now live uh, at different points all over the country have have taught some groups uh at the highest of levels um unfortunately a lot of those people they don't really agree with me uh, on this podcast and the second amendment a lot of them are um very liberal minded which uh is cool you know hey i i appreciate your difference of opinions and um i hope that they appreciate mine you know uh but i've i've been fortunate to be around some people that are some of the most just gifted educators um, and I have done every, I've, I've done my best, I will say to try and be a, a, as good an educator as some of those folks were, but also to learn from them on how to be a better educator and that it's not what you're teaching. It's how you're teaching it. You know, a good teacher can teach anything. Like I said, you could be underwater basket weaving or auto mechanics or, uh, you know, hydraulics or physics, whatever. Uh, a good teacher knows how to communicate well with their audience. Um, they're an, they're an effective speaker. You know, they can, they can draw engagement. Um, and I, you know, I don't often like to pat myself on the back, but as I'm kind of thinking about this, cause I've been looking at our, our numbers and our followers and stuff lately and hell, maybe it's working because our engagement is up and things are heading in the right direction. So, you know, I, I did, I learned from some really awesome people, uh, that knew how to, how to speak to folks and, and keep people engaged. Um, so Hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we'll be kind of back to the, I guess the the more regularly scheduled programming next week, as uh, as things kind of get back on track heading into the end of the summer and head into the fall of 2023. Here, uh, if you guys have listened, you know, been listening up to this point. I appreciate the shit out of it. Please, again, if you enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed any of our, our episodes and our guests, know that we're striving to keep bringing on or bringing back on, in some instances, some of these people and bring you guys some really, really awesome content. It would mean the world to us if you can go ahead and hit that follow button on Spotify uh, or subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts or you know uh, Pandora or uh, you know Odyssey, whatever, whatever app you're listening to us on, hit the follow button. Those things help us out tremendously 
more than you guys probably understand. Um, and also, you know, give us a follow on Instagram, you know, stay up to date with what we're working on there. A lot of what we talk about here is also mimicked and mirrored over with our content on Instagram. So you put those two things together, there, there's quite a bit going on there that you can, you can see and, and observe. So appreciate you guys for hanging out this far into things. Uh, and that's all I got, you know? So with that, I will leave you with, as always, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. 